Longtime UFC veteran Nate Diaz has stocked and slapped his way through the sport, earning a reputation as a tough as nails and exciting rebel. He's shown a well-rounded skill set throughout his career, but his most spectacular performances and finishes have come via his jiu-jitsu base. But with his recent controversies, history of struggling against wrestlers, and an upcoming bout with wrestling hype train Kamzat Shemaev, it raises the question, how good is Nate Diaz's grappling? What is going on everybody? Welcome to the Fight Dialogue. My name is Tim. So today I'm going to be breaking down the grappling skills of Nathan Diaz. In order to do that, I'm going to analyze six key elements of grappling as they relate to the sport. For each category, I give a score based on a scale from 1 to 10, and then at the end of the video, I take the average of those scores to give an overall grade. I base these scores off my own observations of their most recent fights of relevance and the quality of the opponents that they have faced. Every fight starts standing, so let's begin with takedown defense. Nate's jiu-jitsu base and boxing-like stance are huge factors here because they inherently make it much harder for him to defend against takedowns. He's super vulnerable to pretty much all types of wrestling in open mat scenarios, especially single leg takedowns. That bladed stance puts that lead foot right there to be grabbed. His sprawl and scrambling abilities aren't really much to be proud of either. Top it all off with a tendency to fall to his guard a fair amount of the time due to Nate's comfort level with using the guard. And you kind of see where I'm going with this. Nate's redeeming quality for this is that his takedown defense is noticeably stronger against the fence. By balancing against it, he's able to slow down the pace of the exchange and work for underhooks. When it comes to high-paced wrestling exchanges, slowing it down is a necessity for Diaz. Not because he has bad cardio or something, on the contrary, I think most people watching this will know he has excellent cardio, but he's just not a very explosive guy. That's why he's losing the battle against guys who are when they're out in the open. The fence is the key to leveling the playing field against those types of enemies. Diaz feels a little bit too comfortable here at times though, giving his back while leaning against the cage. I understand why he feels comfortable here, but it has led to him being flung across the octagon and suplexed on more than one occasion, most notably against Rory McDonald. Takedown defense might even be his weakest area in all honesty, and it doesn't bode well when he's matched up against high-level wrestlers. So for this category, he will earn the score of 6.75. Next is ground and pound defense. Overall, a more solid area technically speaking for Diaz, but it still has its drawbacks, which I'll do my best to point out here. The first one that not many people will take note of or notice is Nate's talent for getting cut up pretty badly in most of his fights. Now, this isn't really his fault, I know, but when there's blood constantly dripping down in your face and you choose to play the jujitsu game from the bottom, you're going to get a lot of blood going into your eyes, whether the cuts are in bad spots or not. Unlike the mostly ignorable sting of sweat in your eyes, blood makes it very hard to see. If you can't see what punches are coming, it makes it a lot harder to defend them. So Diaz electing to be on the bottom is an unfortunate theme that a lot of jiu-jitsu guys will get points taken away for whenever we're talking about ground strike defense. Unlike a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that I've reviewed in the past, such as Brian Ortega, Diaz does make a concerted effort to get back to his feet, giving up his back here and there in the process, but the fight IQ behind it is that, as a jiu-jitsu ace, it can be much easier to defend against the choke than it is strikes while laying on your back. 
Strikes are something to worry about if your back gets taken, but not so much if you're mid-transition. And unless your belly down flattened out, it's unlikely that the strikes will be knockout blows. For Nate Diaz, the fundamentals are all there. We see him using various blocks, overhooks, and distance to negate ground and pound. His submissions and ground and pound from the bottom can be a helpful distraction too. He gets a little too stocked and slap happy for my liking, but hey, you do you, Nate. Last thing I'll say here is Nate is so tricky from the bottom position. He's excellent at sneaking in butterfly hooks whilst being threatened from the half guard. Half guard is a very underrated ground and pound position, so his ability to escape it so smoothly is a plus. The sneakiness of his sweeps are something to watch out for above all else. Just when opponents feel like they've solidified a position, they're oftentimes sent rolling. So while it's not perfect, I'd say this is a solid area of the welterweight's defensive game, especially considering the high-level ground and pound specialists he's had to deal with, earning him an 8 out of 10. Next is submission defense. Hands down the best aspect of his overall defense, but he does have one submission loss on his record. Looking back, we can see it was very early in his career against a strong grappler and experienced competitor in Hermes Franca who was 16-5 and five at the time of their fight. He would also later get busted for PEDs because all these motherfuckers are on steroids. As Franca fights from his guard, Nate was putting his arms outstretched, and when Hermes switches the angle of his hips, Nate doesn't really react very quickly. When he finally does figure out what's going on, he does the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do and tries to posture straight up. This of course straightened his arm out and he was forced to tap. This was a very young and inexperienced Nate Diaz, who at the time was probably a blue or purple belt in jiu-jitsu at best. He was a bit of a victim of some tough matchmaking here, so I'm going to chalk his only submission loss of his career up as growing pains because throughout his long career we can see him in similar positions while at the same time shutting down threats like that from the guard. Nate does have the tendency to give up his back like I mentioned and has always managed to evade the rear naked choke. We see a similar situation when he attempts to wrestle, oftentimes putting his neck in a bad spot. Many guillotines have been attempted on him over the years and not once has he tapped. The level of the opponents that have tried to submit him is relatively high too. Anthony Pettis is one of the more notable examples. He escaped his guillotines and remember, this is a guy that has a submission win over Charles Oliveira and then champion Benson Henderson. Nate has a very impressive degree of submission defense and the only way I can see him getting subbed at this stage in his career is if he gets very severely hurt with a strike first. So I'm giving him a 9 out of 10. Time for some offense, but first, a word from this video's sponsor. Today's video is sponsored by RevGear. If you've been a subscriber for a little while at least, you probably know RevGear as the brand that sponsors our monthly fight picking contests that we hold for big pay-per-views. They front the prizes for those contests, which is incredibly kind of them to do for this channel. I've been using their gear for a while now. Not only has it lasted longer in terms of durability than most of the other name brand gear that I have, but it's also just made differently. The geese are comfortable and lightweight, and RevGear is known for being innovators in the fight gear industry. These guys just do things differently and in the best way possible. They've got a bunch of crazy sales going on right now. Their bundle deals are absolute steals. And with my discount code, you get an extra 10% off. Use the link in the description of this video to get 10% off, get some quality gear and help support the channel. 
Let's go takedown offense. This one was a bit weird to analyze because there are some aspects of this that Nathan Diaz excels in. But the question then became, how useful are those aspects? Let me show you what I mean. This hip throw right here is called Haraya Goshi in Judo. Nate's used a few modified grips to it, sometimes underhooking, sometimes not. But every time someone looks to take his back or get behind him, you can bet money that Diaz will be trying to hit this. And he has many times. Rough estimate here, but I would say he hits it about 9 out of 10 times that he attempts it. The problem with this particular way of doing it is a majority of the time it just leads to a mad scramble on the ground that he tends to lose. Don't get me wrong, sometimes it works out for him, but it's just a risky and unreliable throw for MMA. So I have to give him some credit here for the sheer success rate of it, but I'd like to see him try to hit it off an underhook on the far side or something else. That way he can end up in a better position more often. Another takedown Diaz will look for constantly is the single leg and he'll actually get it from time to time, especially in open mat scenarios. Like I said earlier though, his subpar wrestling technique leaves his neck exposed a lot of the time, and he loses much of the ground that he gains by then having to free himself from the threat of the choke. I was surprised to see Diaz using the cage as much as he does simply because his cage wrestling kinda sucks. He just has a hard time hitting any kind of attack while using the cage. Maybe he utilizes the cage more to use some closer range strikes to tire guys out. Those things he does very well, and as incredible as Nate's cardio is, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the strategy. Tiring guys out can make those later round takedowns easier after all. There are some other things that the Stockton native will do to get it to the ground such as some nice trips and a couple other hip throws. Let's not forget simply laying down on the floor and cursing at the guy above him. That actually seems to work sometimes. Nate has potential here, especially with his go-to techniques and judo, but there just isn't enough diversity or practicality to warrant a strong score. So it's gonna be a seven out of 10. Grapple boxing time. The key thing to note, as usual for this category, is the contrast between the ability to do damage and controlling the position. Throughout his career, Nate has found trouble with the control aspect of this equation. When we look at him going to work from a top position, we see him land and deal great damage with punches and elbows, causing cuts and swelling, making a mess of opponents in a relatively short amount of time. He has the same capability with ground and pound from the bottom, but the difference there is, it actually seems like he has more sustained control from a bottom position, or the guard position to be more specific. He's not just content being there because he's a submission artist, but the guard in many ways is a control position that can be used for landing sharp elbows, and of course that infamous slap that adds insult to injury. I just wish for Diaz's sake, he emphasized the same level of control from the top and back mount positions. So often we see Nate lose position by getting swept, reversed, and out of position. At times by fighters that aren't really known for their grappling. To be fair, Nate will just about every time sweep them right back, but that's not the point. 
it interrupts any sustained offense and momentum that he could potentially generate with his excellent ground and pound skills. So this category in my eyes is yet another example of having a ton of potential, but ultimately falling a bit short. 7.75 is gonna be the score here. The final subject to cover in this video is submission offense. Most people know that Nate has excellent submission skills, but how does he compare while competing in the two biggest divisions of the sport that are full of killers and dangerous submission artists? Well, he has five submission of the night honors for starters and is tied with Jim Miller for the most submissions in lightweight history. Speaking of whom, he very brutally submitted the New Jersey Black Belt with perhaps the nastiest guillotine in history because it made Miller involuntarily bite his own tongue. I'd prefer it if we refer to this submission now and forevermore as the one and only guillotine submission in UFC history. Seriously though, Nate has some amazing guillotine chokes. I can tell you from personal experience that noodle arms, while not as aesthetically pleasing, do have their uses when it comes to wrapping them around people's necks like a noose. Noodle legs can achieve similar outcomes, and Nate shows us this by attacking relentlessly with triangles and armbars, which he has several of the former to pad his 11 career submission wins. Diaz also has leg locks and shoulder locks to round out his submission game, and you're honestly going to be hard pressed to find a more diverse jujitsu skill set in the current welterweight division. The only issue that Nate has really kind of goes off what I said earlier about his issues with ground and pound offense. He loses key positions a bit too often. The back mount in particular is a spot where submissions play out a little better than ground and pound does. And there's been many times where he fully backmounted opponents, seatbelt and both hooks in, but somehow ended up relinquishing control. As good as Nate is, I have no doubt he'd have at least a few more submission wins on his resume if it wasn't for this flaw. But the youngest Diaz brother has some club and sub skills to balance things out. Always looking for chokeholds and the like, especially after hurting guys on the feet. Like in his most famous win against the Notorious. Submissions are Nate's bread and butter and anyone fighting him that doesn't plan for them and respect them is in for a short night. For submission offense, he earns a 9.25. When the scores are tallied up and I get the average, it gives Nate Diaz the total grade of about 8 overall. When I tally up the scores that you guys gave him on the Discord, it gives him the score of about 7.3 overall. Sheesh, I guess I had some Nate Diaz haters respond to this. How's that feel? Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Win or lose, love him or hate him, you gotta enjoy the excitement Nate Diaz brings to the table every time he fights. I'll conclude by saying that Nate Diaz is a high-level grappler with some flaws, but the entertainment factor is always present. There's certainly an element of high-risk, high-reward when it comes to his grappling, and whether he's choking out a world-class black belt or getting flung across the octagon like a ragdoll while talking shit, it was a fun analysis for me to dive into, and I can't wait to watch his next fight. So that just about does it for this episode of How Good Is Their Grappling. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to check out the Patreon. I've got a bunch of exclusive content on there, including early access to new series, and it really helps support the channel. As always, make sure to like and subscribe, and thanks so much for watching. Take care.